Good morning. Sabko Jai Masiki. For our Indian friends, they did a Shabbas Bohut Sundar Geet Gayata. So thank you for our Indian friends. They have such a wonderful song they sang for us this morning. God is uh, so good. Feels like home. Tomorrow I go back to India. I've only been in the States 10 days, and tomorrow I head home tomorrow. So uh, I'm ready to go home. Good to be here with you today, but I'm more excited about tomorrow because I get to go home. <laughs> but God is so faithful. Such a privilege and an honor to be here with you. This is the heart of God. John had this revelation that there would be a day that every tribe, Every tongue, every people, every nation would stand before the throne of God, worshiping the Lord. This is the, the heartbeat of God. This is the heart of the gospel that all people, not just our people, not just my people, but all people would know the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I want to read this morning Romans chapter 10. I'm going to begin reading in verse 9, if you have your Bibles. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Let's say it all together. Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. There is no exclusion of language, of race, of color, of creed. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the simplicity lies with God himself that God has made a way that is easy and accessible for all people that all you have to do is believe in your heart and call on his name and you will be saved but we don't like easy things so we like to add degrees of difficulty to the gospel Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord and prays for one hour every day and goes to church every Sunday and pays your tithes and goes on a mission trip and fast at least one day a year and at least reads the whole Bible through at least once a year will be saved. Right? Because we don't like easy things. We like to add to it. When I got saved, you know, I walked in the church and uh, I didn't look right. So in order to be saved, I had to look different. I had to get a haircut. I had to change my clothes because it's not just calling on the name of the Lord. It's also becoming like everybody else. But this isn't the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ has nothing to do with what I do. It has nothing to do with who I am. It has nothing to do with my history. It has everything to do with the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is by grace 
And not by works, not by anything that I do. Because I'm saved, I like to talk to Jesus. Because I'm saved, I like to fellowship with other people who love Jesus. Because I love Him, I love to read His Word. Because I love Him, I love to give. But those things don't save me. Those things are the result of the fact that He has already saved me. It is by grace. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But this isn't just some doctrine. This isn't just something I read in a book. This isn't just a story I heard. This is the reality of my life. I know it's true because I've seen it in my life. When I was 20 years old, I was an alcoholic and I had no hope. I came from a broken home. My mother had left when I was a teenager. My father left soon after my mother did. I had so much rage and so much pain in my life. I turned to violence. I turned to drugs and alcohol. My life was spiraling out of control. And then Jesus found me and he changed my life. I, I always hear people telling about the day they found Jesus. That makes him sound like an old man lost in the woods. <laughs> you didn't find Jesus. But when you were lost, he found you. Before you ever started looking for him, before you ever cared, before you ever knew, he was already searching for you. You remember the story of when Jesus walked into Jericho and Zacchaeus was climbing in a tree because Zacchaeus was so desperate to find Jesus. But before Zacchaeus ever started looking for Jesus, Jesus was already looking for Zacchaeus. And without ever meeting him, he looked up in a tree and said, Zacchaeus, that's a miracle, isn't it? Jesus knew his name. And I want to tell you today, Jesus knows your name. He knows all the junk in your life. He knows everything you've ever been through. And in spite of it all, he calls your name. He calls you to himself. And all he wants to do is come to your house. He just wants to sit down and have a meal together and share life together and experience relationship together. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The simplicity that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And out of a life of addiction and violence, I called on the name of the Lord and he changed my life. But it wasn't just me he cared about. Jesus doesn't save us to go to heaven. We have this wrong view that the purpose of salvation is so that I can go to heaven. Let me tell you, you were not saved just for yourself. The day you got saved, you had to lay down yourself. It's no longer about you. It's no longer thinking about what's best for me. If I'm doing what's best for me, I'm going to buy a ranch out in Montana and live alone with my family. I mean, that's the best way to get to heaven because there's no distractions. There's nobody to draw me away. And so, so I should go and live like a monk somewhere if all I'm trying to do is get to heaven. But if the goal of my life is to bring glory to God, I have to live in darkness. Now, if you take a thousand flashlights and shine them in the same building, all we do is blind one another. God didn't give you a light so that you could all shine it in the same place. God gave you a light so you could go into dark places and let your light shine. We are called to shine light into darkness. And so when I got saved, I was so thankful to have godly men around me just encourage me to go after God. 
A pastor asked me to preach just three months after I got saved. This pastor asked me to come to his church and preach, and I was so terrified. I didn't, I didn't know how to preach. I was just a plumber who got saved, and now I'm three months later, I'm supposed to stand on the stage and preach. And without me knowing it, he went out and found my mother. I had not seen my mother in years. He went out and found her and told her I got saved and told her she should come to church, brought my mother to church. And the very first sermon I ever preached, my mother gave her heart to the Lord. And my mother is, uh, she's in a church in South Georgia today teaching Sunday school right now. We're here and she's teaching Sunday school. And, uh, and my brother came forward and gave his heart to the Lord that day. And my brother is a youth leader in a church today. My youngest nephew just left on Sunday as a missionary to Egypt to work. We live dead in Egypt. My father ended up giving his heart to the Lord, started a church out in the middle of the country and, uh, served the Lord until he died. My entire family was changed because this simple gospel wasn't just for me. It was meant to be shared and it was meant for the people in my life you know jesus said to his disciples the harvest is plentiful but the labors are few that's not true today there's a whole lot of labors i'm looking at right now jesus was talking to 12 men there are a billion people today who claim to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And if there's a billion that are saved, that's only six billion who aren't saved. That means if every follower of Christ would find six people that didn't know Jesus, we could reach the world this year. <laughs> that's not difficult. Just a matter of do you want to do it or not? Do you want to be involved or not? Every one of us are called. And this same power that I saw in my family, I've seen it all over the world. That everywhere I've gone, the simple gospel of Jesus Christ transforming lives. I wish I could introduce you to some of my friends like Guljar Hussein today, who called on the name of the Lord. And now he pastors a church with about 20 other Muslim families who have called on the name of the Lord and they love Jesus today. I wish I could introduce you to my friend Lobsung right now who is uh, in Bible school. He's in our Bible school. I was just with him just, just two weeks ago. I was with him and we were sitting and talking the gospel. He was a Buddhist monk for over 10 years and he's graduating Bible school now and getting ready to go back and preach the gospel to his people. This simple gospel there is power in it. There's power in this gospel. There's power in simply calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I was walking up a hill just a couple of months ago and I'm, I'm going up this hill and I was going up to a village and, uh, and, and man, one of the beauties of India, the beauty of our culture in India is hospitality. Man, we, we just love community in India. And I'm walking up this hill and I obviously look tired. And as I'm walking up this hill, there's an old man sitting on the side of the trail. And he looks at me and says, why don't you come to my house and have some tea? Never met him before. And he just invites me in the house. And, uh, and he goes and sits down and, and gets the fire going and, and gets, some, gets some tea going on the fire. And as we're sitting there, I just ask him, I said, do you know who Jesus is? And he almost dropped the pot and he turned around and he said, I used to have his book. <laughs> somebody gave me his book and I was reading his book and then somebody stole the book from me. I said, I've been waiting. I couldn't finish the story. Tell me the rest of the story. And so I started sharing the gospel with him. 
He told me his wife was sick. I prayed for his wife and I told him, I said, listen, in the next village, I've got a friend and he's got another one of his books and I'm going to bring you the book back tomorrow. And so, so I, I left and the next day I come back and as soon as I walk in the village, he runs up to me and touches my knee as a sign of respect. And he said, last night, Jesus healed my wife and she's better. And they brought me in the house and cooked me a meal. And I shared the gospel with him. He called on the name of the Lord. And that moment, according to scripture, according to experience, according to everything I know, he was saved in that moment because of the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And everyone... No matter what language, no matter what culture, no matter what addiction, no matter what sin you're coming out of, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There are no exclusions. There are no addendums. There are no amendments. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the simplicity Of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But with this simplicity. There is also a great difficulty. You see the simplicity. Of the gospel lies with God. The difficulty of the gospel lies with us. It's because God chooses to get us involved. And we are notoriously unreliable. Right? Verse 14. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You see, calling requires believing. You're not going to call on someone you don't believe in. Believing requires hearing because I can't believe in something I've never heard of. And hearing requires telling. If I'm going to hear, somebody's got to tell me. And for most of the world, telling requires sending because there's nobody around me who knows. So somebody's going to have to come and tell me. That means a whole lot of people have to be involved. And that's why 2,000 years After the death of Christ, two billion people have yet to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Two thousand years later, two billion people, it is impossible today to be saved. What is so simple for you and I in this room just to make a decision, am I going to call, is virtually impossible for two billion people across the world today. Because you cannot call on someone you don't believe in. And you cannot believe in someone you've never heard. And you can't hear unless somebody comes and tells you. What's so easy for us is impossible for them. You know, I I don't even understand the mentality of prayers that begin with please don't. You ever said a please don't prayer? God, please don't send me to India. God, please don't send me to Africa. God, please don't make me preach. God, please don't make me tell them. You ever prayed a please prayer, please don't prayer? That's just 
totally missing the mark of God. You see, why would God get us involved? Why would God choose knowing our inability? Why would God choose to use us? I've only got one word for you, and that's love. Everybody say love. It is the love of God. You know, have you ever been working on your car and your little toddler comes up to the car and says, Daddy, can I help? What's the answer to that question? No, absolutely not. You can't help. You are going to make this take twice as long. You're going to lose stuff. You're going to break stuff. You're going to get in the way. And what would take me 30 minutes is going to take me three hours if I let you get involved. So the answer is no. But what's the answer we give? Yes. Why do we say yes, love? Because I love my son. I want him to grow up. I want him to grow into maturity. I want him to feel a part of the family. I want him to feel involved. I want him to become more than what he is today. And so even though he's not ready today, I let him get involved. Just imagine the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is so gracious. He is so loving. He is so kind. Even though you don't have the ability, even though you are unprepared, even though you are unreliable, he invites you in to the work. He invites you in to come on in and let's do this thing together. Come on in and be a part. He invites us because of his great love for us. The King of King and Lord of Lords desires that you would be his representative, that you would be his mouthpiece, that you would be his spokesman, that you would be his ambassador. That is the greatest privilege a human could ever receive. That the King of Kings and Lord of Lords invites us into his work. You know, people have always asked me, how did you know God called you to India? And, and, and there's a really simple answer to that. I'm not sure he did. That's the simple answer. The long answer is this. When I was just saved, my pastor came up to me one day and said, you need to go to Bible school. And so I said, what's Bible school? He said, that's where they teach you how to study the Bible and how to preach. And I said, great. So he put me in the church van takes me to the Bible school and drops me off. And that's how I went to Bible school. In my first year in Bible school, I've got this professor who was a retired missionary to India. She lived in a place called Chapra, which is in Bihar, which is considered the graveyard of Christian mission. It is a a very hard place. Her father died while she was young and her mother raised five children as a widow lady on the mission field in the middle of nowhere in India. All five of her children ended up becoming missionaries to India. My professor, Sister Bruce, left when she was 70 years old to come back with her husband to retire in the States. And she taught a class at our Bible school. That was her retirement. Come back and teach in Bible school. I'm retired. Let me teach eight hours a day. So she was retired. We need more people to retire like that. (laughs) So she retired and she's teaching this Bible school class. And one day in class, she starts telling stories. And she's talking about a billion people. Most of them have yet to have a clear presentation of the gospel. She's talking about 500,000 villages where there are no churches. 500,000 villages. Where if you were to wake up in one of those 500,000 churches today. And maybe you had a dream in the night. There's no one to interpret the dream. 
There's no one to help you to understand. 500,000 villages. And that day after class, I, I went up to her and I said, Sister Bruce, this isn't right. How is it possible 2,000 years after Jesus died? How is it possible there's this many people who've never heard? I said, it's not right. She said, I agree with you. It's not right. I said, somebody needs to do something about it. She said, I agree with you. Somebody needs to do something about it. And I said, how about me? She said, uh, how about you? I said, send me. I'm ready to go. She said, I don't have any money. I said, introduce me to somebody with money. She introduced me to a missionary with some money. He bought me a ticket. That was in 1991, and I hadn't left since. Because I just assumed somebody needed to do it. We get stuck on this idea of the call of God. God, what are you calling me to do? I'm going to help you today to understand the call of God. After Jesus died, he spent 40 days on the earth. And for 40 days, he said what was most important. He focused on the essentials. And so for 40 days, he taught them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all people. Do you understand what I'm telling you? Yes, Lord, we got it. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, all people. Go make disciples of all people. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I'm teaching you, and I'm going to be with you to the end of the age. Do you understand? Yes, Lord, we understand. Go make disciples, baptize, got it, teach them. As the Father has sent me, now I am sending you to seek out, to save the lost, to fulfill the mission. Do you understand? Yes, Lord, we understand. And then literally the last thing Jesus ever did with his disciple, he takes them up onto this hilltop and they're standing on this hill. And Jesus tells them, now guys, when I go, you go to Jerusalem and you're going to receive power. And when you receive power, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Notice there's not a first, second, third, fourth there. You know how we like to add words into the Bible? First! In Jerusalem. Well, I haven't reached my Jerusalem yet, so I don't have to worry about Judea. Second in Judea. Well, as soon as we reach our state, then we can think of somebody else. We don't get to add first, second, third, fourth. It's everything is our responsibility. We are all responsible for everybody else. Amen. And so Jesus tells them this. And when he's finished he starts to ascend in front of them up into heaven. Can you imagine being there in that moment? And here, his disciples are watching him go up. And they're like, God, oh my, it's happening. This is it. We've been waiting this moment. And he goes up and then they're just standing there. And I can imagine them starting to turn to each other. What are we supposed to do now? He's gone. Remember the first time he left, they went fishing. They didn't know what to do. <laughs> so they must have started talking again. You know, like, well... You guys want to go fishing? I mean, what are we going to do? He should have told us what he wanted us to do if he wanted something. You know, i got a son who's just like that. My son one time, he's walking at the house. He was a senior in high school. He's walking at the house. And I said, Josiah, we need some milk for tomorrow morning for breakfast. He said, oh, I'm just going to my friend's house for a couple hours. I said, Josiah, here's some money. Bring home milk. <laughs> so he takes the money. He's walking out the door. And I just shout out the door, just as a reminder, because I know my son. Milk! He's like, yeah, Dad, I got it. About an hour later, I know my son. So I send him a text message. All caps. 
milk. He sends me back a frowny face. Hour later, he shows up at the house and he's got a slushy and a hot dog. And I say, Josiah, where's the milk? You didn't tell me about no milk. Any of you have a child or a husband like that? And see, that's why Jesus, he kept saying because he knew how forgetful they are. He knew how easy it is to get caught up with paying the bills and getting your kids through school and, and getting the kids married and taking care of the education and taking care of the, the, the health issues. And we can get so caught up in life that we can go through days and months and years and forget the purpose that we were saved. That you are not saved so you can have a bigger house and a nicer car and more money and a better job. You were saved to reveal the glory of God on this earth. And if you could wrap your head around the issue that stop going to work to get a paycheck, go to give glory to God. Stop getting a house that will make you feel better about yourself and get a house and a place where you can give glory to God. Stop going to school just to get a paper and a degree. Go to school to give glory to God. Don't go to the gym just to work out and get in shape. Go to give glory to God. Everything you do, do it for a purpose that Jesus Christ would be glorified. But we forget. And so here's the disciples. He's taken up. And if you look at Acts 1.11, it says literally God had to send an angel. So this angel shows up and says to them, why are you standing looking up into heaven? What are you doing? And they're like, oh, that's right. Go to Jerusalem, get power, ends of the earth. Okay, we'll do it. And they went out and they started doing it. And 2,000 years later, the majority of the church is still just standing around looking up in heaven. God, if you just let us know what you want us to do. And we hear about a billion people who've never heard. God, we're just waiting on your call. And we hear about nations where the church doesn't even exist. The call of God is there. The only issue is will we join in? Will we be a part? You see, why should you care about India? Why, why should you even care? I mean, there's plenty of needs right here in Omaha. There's plenty of people that need Jesus right here. So why should I care about India? Why should I care about Saudi Arabia? Why should I care about Afghanistan? Why, why should I care about other places when my place has so many needs? I'll give you one word. That word is access. Everybody say access with me. You know, this morning... When you woke up, you could have cut your TV on and you could have flipped channels and you could have heard dozens of pre people preaching the gospel in dozens of different ways. And 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 maybe something even by accident, you could have been just straight up heathen, alcoholic, drunkard, whatever your issue is. And you could have been flipping channels and without even meaning to, you could have heard the gospel today. On your way to church, you could be flipping channels on your dial. And as you're flipping channels, you could just accidentally come across a message 
hear a gospel song, a worship song that draws you in and you could be touched. Most of you, in order to get to this church, you had to drive past five or six other churches to get to church. Every day there's signs, there's billboards. Every day we go to work and we have co-workers, we have classmates, there are people in the shop that everywhere you go, I bump into somebody that knows Jesus. All of those things are access and all of those things are good things. I'm glad that we have many opportunities to hear the gospel. I'm glad that I had so many opportunities to come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm glad for this access. But what is so simple and easy for us is almost impossible for a billion people in India today. I got in my truck. I live up in the hills of India. I got into my truck recently to go up to this village area. It took me eight hours of driving through the hills. And I drove past dozens of little towns and villages. Got to the end of the road and I walked for seven days. And every day I went to a village and I'd talk to people and I walked around for seven days. At the end of that, I got back to my car and I drove for 10 hours a different route down through some different villages. And I stopped and talked to people in those villages. After nine days, two days of driving, seven days of walking, I did not cross one church. There was no Christian TV, no Christian radio station. I did not meet one person in those nine days who had ever even heard the name of Jesus. You see, what is so simple for us is virtually impossible for them. And that's why you should care. You are not here in the kingdom of God today because you're better. You are simply here because you had opportunities that they didn't have. And that is what we dedicate ourselves to. God, would you use us To bring hope, to bring healing, to bring access to all people in all places. That everybody would have a chance to do this simple thing. To call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I was up in a village area one time and walked in this village. And I'm preaching in the village. And this young man comes up to me and said, "Uh, my grandfather wants to meet you. And so he takes me over to his grandfather's house, a little mud uh, mud built house up in the high mountain area. And I walk inside the house and there's this, this old man. He's probably in his nineties and he's sitting around this fire. And I walk inside and I sit down by the fire next to him. And without even looking up, he just asked the question, are you telling stories about Jesus? My grandson said there was somebody in the village telling stories about a man named Jesus. Now, this is the first time that I had anybody even recognize the name in, uh, in these weeks that I had been up in this area. I said, yes, I'm here telling stories about Jesus. He said, when I was a little boy, he said, my father was in the British military. This is when the British still ruled India. He said, my father had a British military officer who used to tell him stories about a man named Jesus. He said, and every time my father would come back on a furlough, he would tell me these stories of Jesus. He said, then my father, when I was a young boy, he died in the war. He said, my whole life, I imagined if there is a God, it must be Jesus. He said, I've waited my whole life for someone to tell me how I could follow this Jesus. Would you tell me? 
And I shared the gospel with him. He called on the name of the Lord. And then he said to me, I'm ready. Take me out and baptize me. I said, the river's frozen. I don't want to kill you. So I sprinkled him right there in front of the fire. I hope that doesn't offend you. And he called on the name of the Lord. And according to the word of God, that day he entered in. That day he was saved. There are people out there. There are people that are hurting. There are people that are hopeless. They are waiting on an opportunity. In India today, I spent most of my first years in India just preaching. I would go from village to village and preach the gospel. India is changing today. I lived for a while in a communist nation where uh, I, I dealt with persecution. And God taught me a lot through that process. I was put in prison for some time and I, I went, through some, uh, went through some dark times. And then uh, after that experience, I came back to India. And I found that India is a changing place, that we have a, a new government in power that is not friendly towards Christians today. And I have found that in India, there's a lot of fear among people today. The town I live in 20 years ago, I started the church in that town. 20 years later, we have about 30 people in our church. And in North India, where I live, 30 people is a lot of people in the church. But there is not one person from my local town that comes to the church today. A few people through the years called on the name of the Lord. They face such intense persecution that many of them are still in faith, but they can't even come to church. Some of our pastors have been thrown in prison and beaten because of issues that we face. I mean, it's a difficult time. And we started praying, God, how are we going to reach people in this day? And God started giving new vision and new thought. So I opened a gym. You may think that doesn't sound very spiritual. That doesn't sound very Jesus-y. <laughs> so I started a gym. And I started inviting people in my community. Hey, you guys want to come work out? And people started coming to work out. Now I have about 90 guys every day that we all work out together. And then I started a coffee shop. And after workouts, we go down to the coffee shop. We hang out in the coffee shop. We just, we just build community. Out of that now, in my gym, the overwhelming majority of the people in my gym are Hindus, Buddhists, Muslims, and Sikhs. They're all represented and they all come to my house now after gym and we sit around and we have coffee together. We eat breakfast together. We share life together. They started coming around and uh, celebrating birthdays with us and celebrating Christmas with us and celebrating and we just share life together. And out of that sharing of life, some of them showed interest. So now every Sunday night I have a Bible study where about 20 people from my community come to Bible study every Sunday night. And we just talk about Jesus and talk about what Jesus is doing. Out of that 20, five of them now, we have a little house church now. Five of those men now come to our house church on Sunday mornings to contemplate what it's going to be to follow after Jesus. They won't come to the church because of social pressure and fear, but they'll come to the gym. They'll come to the coffee shop. And that's what we're doing across India today. Across India today in hard, difficult areas. Let me be clear, the church in India is growing and lives are being changed. But it's among a small section of India. You know, India, to understand India, I think about this. If you take Africa, the whole continent of Africa, including the entire of the Middle East, there are 1.2 billion people 
and 2,100 unreached people groups. That's Africa, including the entire of the Middle East. India, by itself, 1.3 billion people and 2,239 unreached people groups. You see, thinking you can reach a part of India and having reached all of India is like reaching South Africa and thinking that has some effect on Saudi Arabia. It's good to reach South Africa, but you still got to reach Saudi Arabia. Amen? It's good to reach Kenya, but you still got to reach Libya. And there's different languages, there's different cultures, there's different dynamics that keeps the gospel from flowing. And that's why we have to express the gospel in every language, in every culture, among every people. And that's what God has called us to. And so now we have these platforms. We don't call them businesses because the outcome of business is how much money I make. The outcome of our platforms is how many relationships do I make. So every time we start a platform, we look at how can I make relationships with people in my community? People that may not come to my church, but they will walk into my coffee shop. They'll walk into the bakery. They'll walk into the gym. So we have these platforms so that we can exponentially build relationship with people in our community. And through those relationships, share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I can tell you it's starting to happen. We actually have our own football club now. Uh, soccer. I should say soccer. You're Americans. We have a soccer club. <laughs> we have a football club where we have 200 people in our academy. This is everything from young kids who come up to our professional team. We actually have players who are now playing in uh, in Europe, players who are playing in the Indian uh, uh, professional league. And I was in our academy the other day with our professional young guys who are being coached. We have a professional coach who loves Jesus, who's who's leading this. And I was in the academy the other day where we had these young men. And in this house, there are Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists who are in this house. And I was in there as a number of them had their Bibles out and they're reading the word of God. Just by playing football together. Just by sharing life together. And that's what we're doing across India is making a platform making a way so that people can engage with the gospel of Jesus Christ through any means necessary. And the power of this is we're not going to reach the world by a few professionals doing more work. We're going to reach the world when every child of God understands I can use the gifts, the abilities, the talents, the opportunities I have to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. There will be more people reached by you going to the gym on Monday and living for Jesus than by you coming to church on Sunday. (laughs) There will be more people reached by you going to school on Monday looking for opportunities to share the hope than by you coming to youth group on Wednesday. It's good to come to church to get inspired, but the work happens out there. The work happens when every one of us go from this place with an understanding. I am a child of God, empowered by God to do the work of God. God, release me into this world. Every one of you have a part. The challenge is what every one of you have the opportunity to do here. People there don't have that opportunity. There's nobody in their gym who knows Jesus. There's nobody in their school who knows Jesus. 
There's nobody at their workplace who knows Jesus. And that's why the gospel not only requires telling, the gospel also requires sending. It requires that we join together to say, God, we are going to send forth people so that those who don't have the access we have would have access to the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to do our part. So we want to say, God, I either want to send or I want to go myself, but I want to be involved in making sure everybody has the chance to know this gospel that changed my life. Would you just lift your hands where you are this morning? Father, I just thank you for your people today. And Lord, we just surrender our lives to your service today. We surrender our lives to your will, to your way today. And Lord, we don't want to be found standing when you return. We don't want to be found standing, gazing up into heaven. Lord, we want to look and see the fields that are ripe on the harvest. We want to look out, Lord God, at the opportunities around us. We don't want to be so caught up in gazing up into heaven that we miss the people around us who need you. That we miss out, Lord God, on the opportunity to share this hope with those who've never had the opportunity. Lord, we pray that you would use us, Lord, to make your name famous, Lord. Lord God, among all people in all the world, that you would receive the honor, the glory, and the praise that is due your name. Lord, we offer ourselves to you today. And Lord, we just pray that even now you would begin to speak to us about what you would have us to do. Lord, about cities in India, that there's nowhere to turn today. Cities throughout the Middle East. There's nobody to talk to. There's no pastor to go to for counseling. There's no neighbor to go to to ask questions. Lord, we want to be a part of tearing down this wall of difficulty. Lord, we want that everyone in all the world, that as simple as it is for us, it would be just that simple for them to call on your name, experience life, experience hope. Lord, we want to be used by you. So, Lord, we offer ourselves. Lord, give us opportunity to go and use us to send. Lord, that your name would be made famous in all the earth. In Jesus' name.